This episode contains subjects that may be triggering towards people of suicide and alcohol abuse. There's helplines out there and you're not alone. Call Samaritans on 116-123, Alcohol Anonymous on 0800 917 7650. The helplines will be linked in the description below. Enjoy the episode. My next guest is known for big roles such as Mrs. Templeton from my all-time favourite sci-fi TV show, Star Trek Voyager, Queer Mirror in Gears 5, Star Wars and many more. Super excited to introduce Caroline Seymour to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing really well, thank you. How is, uh, how's the COVID situation going? I know I ask this all the time, but, you know. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm stunned by how high the numbers are here. You know, yeah. I, I was... I was in France, you know, four months ago, which is where I lived for 10 years. And the numbers just plummeted down. And and now it's relatively, you know, there's still some, but it's the numbers are nothing like they are here. And nobody's wearing a mask here. That's what horrifies me. I had an appointment with somebody yesterday and I I, I went to, to meet to, to the appointment and was told they weren't there because their entire family and the person themselves had just come down with COVID. It was so close. And, and, and in France, we didn't have any. We're fairly isolated out here. We always wear a mask, my sister and I. And, and we, don't, we don't go into tiny enclosed places. But that, that doesn't seem to be the norm. In, even in Newark, which is just this little tiny town, but nobody's wearing a mask there. Very few. It seems to, uh, like, everyone seems to have, like, forgotten the thing now. Like, it's, like, I still wear a mask, and I think it's important that you should still wear a mask. Well, of course we should. Uh, you know, I mean, just because you're vaccinated doesn't mean that you can't give it to someone else or you mm-hmm. can't get it, you know, even if it's on a lesser level. I don't I don't choose to want to do that. I don't want either to be responsible or to get it. So I'm going to wear a mask wherever I am. Yeah, so it's crazy. It is, it is really crazy. So I wanted to firstly touch up on the voice acting side of your career. Um and I wanted to ask, in terms of your voice acting, um, for example, Star Wars, what drove you to apply for the role in the franchise? Did you grow up watching Star Wars? I always loved Star Wars. Um, I, I just, it was Doctor Who, really, when I was a kid. I'm quite OLD, if you read mm-hmm. my bio. Um, and I, I, I've always liked sci-fi, but I, I've, I've, I can't say that I'm a huge fan. And the Star Wars audio stuff came along because um, they heard my voice on something else. And so they just, I was offered it. I mean, I was just asked, am I free? Will you come? And, and that, was the, that was the joy of it. I was so stunned to just be offered a job. I just went along and, and I did it. And then yeah. I ended up being asked to do more. And then, you know, it grew from there. I love doing voiceover. I, I love it. Would you say you prefer voiceover to actual acting? Well, it's, it's still, you're still acting, obviously, but, you know, in front of a camera. I think it's much more intense mm-hmm. acting on uh, doing voiceover because, you know, when, you, when, you, when, you're watching, when you're watching an actor, you're informed by their facial expressions, their physical um, demeanour, all of that sort of thing. But when you're when you're just doing voice, you have to, if you close your eyes and listen to actors, you can that's how you tell if they're really good actors or not, I think. Mm-hmm. And, and and so much more if you can be carried can be carried by your voice. I, I, I find voice acting incredibly fulfilling, I have to say. That's good to hear. Uh, you've you've got over 120 credits on IMDB. Um what's um did I, really? uh, <laughs> I, had, I did my research i did my research <laughs> so, is is that, that, is that, that's only because i'm really old but i mean it also is it because is that the voiceover stuff only or is that also all my mind tag for you um i think this it's both it's both um i i know you from star wars and star trek voyager that's pretty much how i know you from but there's there's so many there's you've got 120 credits so many you've done so many things there's, it's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've had a laugh for most of them. They've been absolutely wonderful. Um, I think I mean I've done a lot of science fiction. That's been that's been an extraordinary thing. Is that I think that science fiction has really for audio work has really you know 
saved my bacon, I have to say. And I mean, I wouldn't have done, I wouldn't have worked at all if I hadn't had any audio work in the last 10 years. Yeah. It's been amazing. I mean, I, I'm working with Big Finish a lot. You know who they are? No, I'm not sure. Is it a production company or? It's a production company of audio books. And it's called, it's called Big Finish. And they have, they hold all the rights to a lot of very, very famous television shows. Uh, in the day, back in the day, in the 70s and 80s, one of which yeah. was a show called Survivors, which I did. Have you ever seen Survivors? No, no. Well, it's a, it's a, it's a, a pandemic series for the BBC. It's on YouTube, and you can also get the, the series. But to have a look at it, because it mirrors what we're going through almost to a T, and Terry Nation, who was responsible, as you know, for... Uh, Daleks, etc., um, and, and he, he wrote it. So, so it, it anyway. I, I mean, I I had wasn't doing any work. I was sitting in France admiring the scenery, and I suddenly got a notification from a friend of mine, a fan, and he said, "Do you know they're doing Survivors for uh, with a company called Big Finish? They're, they're trying to find you." And so I said, "Tell them where I am," and he did. And I was working the next week, and I haven't stopped on and off for ten years. Wow. Yeah. Have you thought about doing audio books then as well? Oh, I've done a lot of audio books. I've got about there's about ten books I've done for Audible, and I've done Big Finish. I've done I've done two, and I'm about to do another one. So, I love doing audio books. I love doing audio books. I wrote to Audible and said I want to come and do some books, and they said yes, you're obviously very qualified, and I never heard another word. So you know that didn't work. You, you've definitely so, got voice. I haven't. I, it's a very noticeable voice, isn't it? Yes, a very like very calming as well. Like def definitely, like love to listen to you read a read a book. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> well, the big finish has got a. I did a book I'm very proud of for them, and it's called the Fetch, which is a word, another word for the devil. Mm -hmm. And I, I, when I read that book, I just I used to just go off into a sort of zone. It was so fantastic. It was a wonderful book to read. Great fun. Anyway, by the by. <laughs> so my next bye. question is, uh, do you remember any behind the scenes action from your time on the set of Star Trek Voyager? Well, there were many, many moments. That it, was a, it was a series at the beginning, at the onset, that was fraught with problems. And just, it was chaos every single day. And not because of Kate, I hasten to add, who, whom I adore and is one of the great actors that we have and was great fun to work with. I'm not quite sure she was ready to, to be embraced, to embrace the whole, you know, the Star Wars, the Star Trek stuff, because, you know, it was, it's a very specific group of people to work with. It was a very close-knit group. And uh, she was amazing. She was absolutely amazing. But but we just we we got on like a house on fire. We never stopped laughing, which was which made life difficult because we were supposed to hate each other. And when we had that fight, we got into it. You know, we did the fight with the knives and everything rolling over, and we both did it for real. I had been. I do a lot of dog rescue, and that weekend before we did the first the, the fight scene, I had been bitten by a dog and and gotten uh, blood poisoning. And because I recognized the blood poisoning, I went to the uh, emergency room and I said, you, can you do something about this? And so they gave, they, they filled me with, with antibiotics and they said, we want you to come into the hospital. I said, you know, I can't, I have to go back. I'm shooting tomorrow, uh, but I will come back. I promise I'll come back on, in the evening and you can count me up again with stuff. And so they said, okay, reluctantly, they said, okay. So I went onto the set at seven o'clock and I, would, I was getting dressed. And while I was getting dressed, the, the wardrobe woman noticed that I had this shunt in my arm. And she said, what's that for? I said, no, blood poisoning, nothing, it's fine. It'll be, I'm going back to the hospital this evening. And she, being a bit of a black blabbermouth, went off and told everybody. So they, before we could start shooting that scene, I had to go to the hospital, partially dressed in Victorian costume. So I had that those droopy things on the wig and the curly cues and those droopy lace things over my ears and uh, I had the crinoline petticoat and all of that stuff and the makeup and they put me they rushed me through emergency 
to see a doctor so that they could pump me full of the thing and pass me for, to work. And there were two people there who were almost comatose in, in, on, on drugs. And so they must have thought they'd died and gone to heaven and the Victorians had come in and, 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 and you know, pursued them. There, it, was, it was terrifying for them. I mean, not for me. I was just furious because I wanted to get on with working and I'd taken care of all of this. But anyway, so we were then went back. And so the whole of that scene that we shoot with the gun rolling over the, the poofs and all of that stuff is me with a shunt in my arm and blood poisoning. No way. What an interesting yeah. story. I, I love I love to hear the behind the scenes stuff, especially about Star Trek Voyager. I've been trying so hard to get Kay Morgan on it, uh, to talk to her on the show and all the other cast members, but they're all so busy right now. I know Kate's always busy. Kate has never stopped, but she's she's such a great great one. If you ever get hold of her, just send her my love. Would you? I've lost touch with her now, but just send her my love, so Carolyn. Oh, I will we, do. We had big laughs, big laughs on that. I will do. Oh, I've I've got like a um. Well, when I was younger, I had um a model of the the voyage of like the actual Voyager. And um, mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I was like, make sure you mention that time where my mom had st- stopped up all night to build this model, <laughs> this Star Trek oh. model. And because my imagination was so complex, like I actually broke it, but I had said like the Borg had destroyed it. <laughs> and to this day, my mom's like, do you remember that time where, you know, you, you had that model of Voyager and you destroyed it? <laughs> It's just like mentioning. No, it is amazing the commitment that our fans have to these shows and what it means to them. It's it it is quite extraordinary. Quite yeah. extraordinary. Yeah, I grew I'm very up. Yeah, and me, and me. I grew up with Star Wars, Star Trek, and Doctor Who as well. Um, I used to watch Doctor Who a lot uh, when David Tennant was the Doctor. I thought he was a really, really good doctor. I've done a, I mean, now, will you promise me to look at Big Finish after this? Just go onto their website and have a look, because they do all the Doctor Who's now. Right, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely do that. Um, let me just write it down. So Big Finish. I, mean, I, think, you're, I think you'll really enjoy it, because they, they use a lot of, whichever Doctor Who's are still going, they use a lot of them too for, to do the audio work. So it's great. Otherwise, they use people who are really good mimics. But it's great fun. You know, I've play, I've done quite a lot of guests at guests or bits on on the Doctor Who audios. Oh, what 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 have you done? But I can't remember their names. The ones I've done, I worked with Ian McNeese, who was uh, played Churchill in one of them. I did the one with Johnny Hurt. I've done. I, I mean, there are so many. They they they've done they've done hundreds, Tom. You should look it up and you'll, you'll see where I am. But I've done my series of Survivors and I've done a thing called, oh, God, I knew I'd do Countermeasures and I've done a lot of Doctor Who's and I've done, you know, I've done a lot of them there. It's been, it's it's quite, it's quite a gas. I think you'll enjoy it. I'll definitely have a look at it um, after we've finished good. up here. Good, good. There's, there's so many roles you've done. You've been so busy. <laughs> In the career. I wish, I wish I need to work more. I mean, I, I've just, as I've just come back to England, you know, we've been, I've only been back two and a half months, but I, there will be, I will start work as soon as I really get settled and I start looking for work. I mean, because, you know, they still want to employ older people. Yes, of course, of course. Um, do, do you think it would be harder moving from LA to, uh, well, you was, did you say you was in France last? Sorry, not LA. I was in France. Years I was in France for ten years, but I be- definitely became a sort of veg there. It's very too easy to not do anything there except to go out and see friends and you know live the French dream. Is he actually like the French dream? No, no. It's only the French dream from May until till the end of, of September, and oh, after right. that, it's the dreariest place to live in the world. All the restaurants shut, all the bars shut. You know, maybe one here, one there. And you, it's really dull. It's really dull. And the bureaucracy sucks. You know, it was it was just became rather tedious living there. And the food wasn't as great as everybody says. Oh, no. <laughs> Hard to find good French food. I don't drink. That was the big appeal, and I don't drink. So great French cheeses, but not a lot else. What type of food would you eat here? Like, what type of food do you like? 
I like I, well, I like I lived a lot of time a lot of time in, in Italy and um I love really adventurous food. In Los Angeles, we had there was Mexican food, there was Asian food, there was Eurasian food, there was very little Indian food, but there was Pakistani food, and there was it just we very rarely ate, you know, I'm not a great meat and potatoes girl, so I wanted little of a little meat with a lot of vegetables and so there was tons of different ethnic restaurants and I just I'm and my mother was a great cook and she never she didn't she didn't cook sort of English food or you know she cooked European food mm-hmm. so we I, we have my sis and I have very broad palates and we, we eat a lot of very different different types of food I love Thai food proper Thai food and uh, Mexican food. Man, I love Mexican food. I would, I would love to try Chipotle. Like, every time the Americans are talking about Chipotle. <laughs> you can get Chipotle peppers here, but the, uh, the actual the actual restaurant, no. But, I mean, they're, they're beginning to get some Mexican, good Mexican restaurants. You know, they're beginning. Uh, I think the, the nearest Chipotle for, for me is in London, I think. <laughs> Well, it is. It's very good food. It's good food, Chipotle. It's worth and I, it. And I hope they expand to be a bit closer to where I am. <laughs> oh, they will. They, they will. And you will. You'll love it when you get that. It's, I mean, it's, uh, there's a lot of it. A lot of, there's a lot of food. You get a lot of especially if you get one of the bowls. It's quite, and a burrito, you won't believe the size of a burrito. It's good. Because <laughs> they have a special treat. <laughs> I've I've never been down to London. I, well, I think I had to uh, go on the underground actually once uh, that to come back from Brighton because I'd gone to Brighton for the day. Oh, I did not like it at all. London was way, like the underground was way too busy for me. So with someone who suffers in anxiety and things, I was like, nope, I'm not going to London. <laughs> well, it would be it's a shame to throw London away out of anxiety. You know, you choose your times to do it. You know, mid morning it's very quiet. You obviously got on the on the tube at like four o'clock. Between four and six, it's a nightmare. I, I, I think I did. I think oh, what? like that's so. No, no I'm not going that time. <laughs> it's not like that all the time. And also, they have overground railways, which make life a lot easier. And you can still get to the same places, but on the overground. Uh, all right. Don't what? throw it away, darling. Don't throw it away. The London buses are amazing too. Ah, okay. I'll um, that's on my bucket list eventually. <laughs> okay, but think about it. Start winding, you know, wrenching your brain away from the anxiety of it and into the positivity of it, because you know it's a wonderful place to visit. So, um, is there any type of person that inspired or drove your interests in acting? Oh, so many, so many. I mean, funnily enough. It was Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers that when I was very, very young and every Sunday they would have a musical on with them. And I could not miss that. You know, even my even my pony who would yell at me from the from the from the stables would to, to come out and play. I had to watch that film every single Sunday afternoon. And I mean I was I, I think the first time I was said I wanted to be an actress, I was five years old. And I knew that that's what I wanted to do. You know, that's what I did. I ended up doing it. And, and nobody in my family, bar my grandmother, my crazy Russian, wonderful, eccentric, brave, courageous uh, grandma, Russian grandmother, she was the one who stood behind me. She well, that's really sweet. Mm. She was the only one who used to come and visit me. She, when I was in drama school, she'd come to every single play and sit in the front row. And when I walked on, she'd clap. Oh. She'd That's so students. sweet. <laughs> she was amazing. She was a formidable the Russian baroness, but she was incredible. She really was wonderful for me. What's it, what's it been like to like adjust to using social media these days? Because everyone wants to get in touch with their... Uh, favorite voice actor or actress like how has it been like get like, adjusted to social media well that's a bit scary babe because it must mean that i don't have any fans because i haven't been asked that much <laughs> I, I haven't really i mean it's it's amazing 
it's always scary, you know, because you because you know, once you said something, it's there and you can't get rid of it. Yeah. Or you know that, and I I suffered a lot from that in the very early days when I was much younger from the newspapers. They never, the journalists never printed. They, well, the papers never printed what I said to the journalists, and and it always it made me not trust and and and. I'm not very good at trusting people anyway, you know. I mean, I, I didn't I didn't come out of a childhood where people were really nice to me. I came out of a childhood where where I, I always had to fight for affection and, and it often was it was used as a sort of punishment and, and taken away if I was, you know, if I did something that normal four-year-olds do. Yeah. Uh, and I was a rebel too, and I spoke my mind, and 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 all the books that I wanted to read and the stories I wanted to see were all about these strong young girls, you know. And of course, I became one, and and then realized what a struggle it was to be, to be strong-minded and to and to not be pushed over, and you know. And despite that, became a victim in many. I did, did become a victim in certain a lot of instances. Yeah. I mean, I, I I suffered, you know, I had, I mean, one of the reasons I wanted to be an actor too was because I, I could, I could create a balanced character. You yeah. know, they all had flaws, but I could create somebody who felt really secure. And instead of looking as if I was a really confident, secure person, but inside not being such, I have a lot of fear and a lack, and a, and a, and a huge lack of confidence in some areas. I'm never enough. Mm -hmm. Well, that, that's where like, my next question was going to come in. Like, it was like, in your opinion, how can someone maintain their mental well-being in this industry? And it's quite, it's an important question to ask, especially. So, what what would you do? Um, or what what would you any like I don't know. Um, if you would use yoga, a lot of voice actors have said they've been using yoga or they've having herbal teas i've been hearing that a lot but i've been interviewing a lot of um actors and actresses who are americans so they're always like yes i've been having herbal tea and things like that well i'm glad that's all it takes hey I know. <laughs> for, me, for me it's always been nature i i i have been on the point of suicide many times I'm a, I'm I'm a I, I'm an alcoholic. I haven't had a drink in forty two years, but I'm an alcoholic, and and you know that doesn't that doesn't go away. And so I get fairly raw. I mean, I there are moments when I'm walking around feeling like a snail without a shell. So mm -hmm. the only answer for me then is to walk in nature, and I will take my tired old dog and make him walk more miles than he wants to. Oh. <laughs> because it, it's just for me it's just the answer it is it is always been the answer i've never even i didn't even know that it was a thing um when i'd first got sober i i was just i was i was batshit crazy is what i was and yeah i was unbalanced and i would take this dog i found this park in the middle of los angeles and i would take my dogs up there for two three hours in an afternoon and most of it, the first half of it was spent just weeping, you know, uncontrollable, deep, deep sobs. I was in the middle of quite intensive therapy, too. Yeah. And I would cry and cry and cry. And then I'd start noticing that there would be a rabbit or there was a kestrel or, there, you know, there was a deer or something. And I would suddenly start coming back and grounding myself and having and knowing that I was in nature. And I'd take my shoes off and, and sit and walk on the grass and... And by the time another hour of that, and by the time I'd done another hour, I was calm and I could take a deep breath and, and I was safe again. And that was always my go-to, always. Have you ever considered going to like Sweden or something like that? Small cousins from Sweden. And she's very in touch with nature. And she always says that uh, Sweden, the fresh, the, uh, the fresh air, she lives in the countryside as well in Sweden. So she's like the fresh air is really nice and she like she also likes to take her shoes off and feel the grass between her toes i'm not that sounds well <laughs> sounds like you are in touch with nature but have you ever thought of going to sweden i've been to sweden i shot a movie in sweden with christopher Plummer, 
And then I had to go back and shoot it and shoot some more in the winter. And I've never been so cold in my friggin' life. Sweden is a strange country. I mean, I, I you know, I, I, I got to know a lot of Swedes and they have those bright blue eyes and then these dark, dark souls. They're pretty dark. They're pretty dark underneath at the bottom. Vikings. <laughs> Vikings, but they're tough going. I mean, they, 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 their depression when it comes is intense, man. Yeah, I, I, I be around incredibly depressed people. Of course I can, and I am, and I have been, and I will always be there for somebody who's incredibly depressed. But they, it's hard when it's so all-encompassing, you know. Anyway, it's not a country I would, I really, I'd love it in the summer. I just don't like it. Anymore. Yeah, yeah. Um, you, you, before we started recording, you were talking about LI um, and how it was, you didn't like it too much or, or I can't really remember what, exactly what you'd said and I want to quote you wrong. But I would like if you could talk about that a bit more. And do you think that was maybe the, the root of you going to the park and being upset and sobbing? Was it because of L.A.? L.A. wasn't the reason that I, I was the way I was. I mean, that mm -hmm. came from a really quite difficult childhood. Um, I, 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 was, I was that child that was always being sent to her room and always too much for everybody and, you know, do be quiet, Carolyn, and all of that. Because I was, you know, I jostled for, for favoritism to get into the front because I was just too much for most people. I was very high energy. And then I learned it was animals that, that made me feel better. And, um, you know, I had pet snails and pet everything, blah, blah, blah. But, it, you know, but my alcoholism started at 10 years old. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm Russian Irish, you know, I'm complex. And, and it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a difficult mixture to have because, by God, you live on your feelings, you know. I was that difficult child, and um, many things happened to me. And you know, there, I, if there was a an abuse factor, you know, I've lived it. I've been there. I've done it's that happened to me. You know, it's, it's it's that was all in my past. And so I was drinking a lot to forget all that pain. And by the time I got to LA, I was at the height of my alcoholism, and and I had to quit. I ended up attempting suicide many times there. And eventually, yeah. the, doc the doctor just said, "You know, this is ridiculous," and he he threw me into the into the fire farm. So I spent six months there. Still didn't quit drinking when I came out, and then realized that I went for an audition. I, I, there was this wonderful casting director called Jessica Overwise, and she called me in for Private Benjamin. You know, the movie with Goldie Hawn. Mm -hmm. So I went. I went in for that audition. I had to have a couple of vodkas to steady my nerves, and I got that. Uh, and I did the did the scene and everything. And she said, you know, afterwards she said, you know, I I think that you there's absolutely no reason for me to suppose that you can't do this job, but I'm not going to give you this job because you're an alcoholic. And that was the first time somebody had ever actually said those words, and it got my attention. And she yeah. then proceeded to call me every day to say i'll take you to a meeting if you wish I'll, i can take you and i kept saying no 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 and uh and then one day two months later when i knew i i hit the wall with it and i called her and said okay she said i can't <laughs> i can't take and i said why not and she said because i'm in texas my papa just died and I, the loss I felt and the, the betrayal of support I felt, it was, you know, completely irrational and yet completely typical of an, an alcoholic. And um, so I had to wait for a while and wouldn't go on my own. And, and that, then I realized, I began to realize how scared of life I was. And somebody else, I called AA and somebody else sent, came and got me and, and I ended up getting the gift of sobriety which was amazing well done but, well it was it you know there were, i didn't have anywhere else to go and they always say in in any of the support groups that that once once you reach the bottom you, the solution will come and and you can't yeah. drink anymore 
for me, that was true. That It wasn't doing it for me anymore. It worked beautifully for a while. Cigarettes worked for a while. Sex worked for a while. But it, it stops working because you've got work to do and you have to find out why why you need to what feeling it is that you're trying to suppress and once you discover what that is it's incredibly painful and it's a it's a rocky old journey but once you've discovered that you don't need to do that thing because that pain has been dissipated and it's true on everything even now if i'm eating more than than you know half a bar of chocolate a day i have to look at why i'm i'm trying to sugar myself out of something there's always a reason Back to LA. LA was glorious when we got there, but I was drinking. It was, it seemed like a glorious place. I mean, we went out every night, we saw film stars every day, and there were, you know, all our friends from London were there. I couldn't get arrested. I could not get a job. And I was at the top of my career when I came over. And that hurt me. And so I went on drinking, blah, 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 and ended up in the hospital. I got sober. And then I had to start my life. And, and I started really paying attention to where I lived. As I lived in LA for 30 years, over the 30 years, I watched how it changed. I loathed the racism. I couldn't understand that. And then I, I started to notice how the police, and I started noticing the prostitutes that were on the street corner at night, the homeless people. I mean, I've never seen so many homeless as there are in LA, and so badly taken care of. Literally yeah. bulldozed out of the way every month they're bulldozed out from underneath the bridges and then you know they're back within 45 minutes but they literally take a bulldozer in there take pull down all their tents and everything and these poor people have to start from scratch all over again oh no it's a terrible it, it, it it's a horrible sort of people think it's the kardashians you know and what a wonderful lifestyle but it's really it's tacky and seedy and cruel and, and there's no opportunity for the people and it, it just it drives me crazy it drives me crazy can you imagine it's not but that much better here though is it like in terms of homelessness and things like that well no i mean i have to say i am so bitterly disappointed in england right now i'm so bitterly disappointed to be back here and to see how how low it's sunk I yeah. mean, nonsense of Brexit and cutting themselves off from cutting ourselves off from the whole freedom of movement for our children just because of some stupid old colonial racists. You know, yeah, I, I, I can't see how we're going to get them, you know, get, become viable again. And I, I don't see it as long as we've got the Tories in power. Oh, so it's that team. <laughs> Oh, I can't. I, I mean, I, I scream at the TV every time Boris Johnson opens his mouth. I find him just a repugnant human being. <laughs> same. <laughs> I agree. But it's, it's just the same as Trump getting in. How did he get in? I have How no did he destroy America? People, some people are blind or they just, or they're brainwashed into following other people too. So they just vote. Well, the only thing I heard was that the, the, the people that voted for Trump was because he's a good businessman because he made he made made makes millions, but he doesn't. He's bankrupt to millions. He doesn't have millions. Just I find that, and people are just out for themselves, and there's no. There seems to be an enormous lack of group conscience. You know, people don't think about each other anymore. No, that, I agree there as well. It's, I, everyone's like, oh, all for ourselves. No, no one else. And if, well, there like, is a danger that that mentality is creeping in, and I, I, I find that I find that abhorrent. You know, mm. whenever you do a charity thing, which I used to do, I used to do charity things for, for animals and charity things for children, and do all of that when I lived in LA. And I noticed that the people that gave the most and gave the most time, on the whole, were people who had nothing, and only because they identified. I mean, food banks are run very often by people who have so little money. Yeah. They all are forced to use the food banks, but they're the ones that come and volunteer. Yeah, and they're working hard, really hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So where's the, I mean, what, what has happened? Why don't we have empathy anymore? Why can't we understand how difficult it is? And we shouldn't have that anyway. If the government was actually putting back their 
the big taxis back into the country and the infrastructure was stronger, then there wouldn't be such a thing as a, a hungry child or a homeless child. Yeah, I agree. I agree 100%. I cannot bear that. Anyway. <laughs> I can't bear it. I mean, I, it, it just doesn't make any sense to me. It does make your blood boil. It really does. <laughs> it makes my heart break. Yeah, yeah, it does. It does. I, I, I remember um, I'd stayed up all night to um, watch the election. Um, and uh, by the end of the uh, like the night, I was sat alone. Oh, my, oh my Lord, we're fucked. <laughs> Literally. I mean, there isn't one person in the government that you'd actually go, yay, he's okay. Yeah, exactly. It's Either in America or here, you know. I, I mean... Oh, and that Jacob Rees-Mogg is so creepy, it makes me want to throw up. <laughs> He's very creepy, that man. It, it just, and it doesn't help my mentality when I'm too, I'm worrying about my future. It just doesn't, like, I'm worrying about my past and I'm worrying about my future at the same time. It just doesn't help. No, of course not. Of course not. So why are you worrying about your past? There was just some um, issues in the past that have affected me, me, me mentally. I'm trying to uh, sort that out, like, there's, there's something in the background that like, really affected me mentally and we're trying to figure it out. Because my, my childhood is a blur. Is, is a, um, it was mainly bullying at school and then I experienced some hardship at my first job, which was a bartender. So it, it was... It, it's, my past is having a problem. It's still there in, in my mind. And then I'm also worrying about my future as well, like... Like, oh, I don't want to work a nine-to-five job in an office. I, I want to do this, what I'm doing now. I want to interview people. And, it, and it's hard to go to the government and be like, oh, I'm, I want to be a podcaster. And I'm like, oh, yeah, how's that going to pay the bills then? I'm like, oh, don't <laughs> Eventually, hopefully, will help me pay the bills. Yeah, but, you know. somehow, somehow people do, do get paid for it. I don't know the ins, ins and outs of doing podcasting, but people certainly do get paid. If for advertising or something else, I don't know how, but they do get paid for being for being a podcaster. Yeah, and God yeah. knows there are enough sci-fi people around that you could you could really you could really hone in on it. You just there has to be just one hook. It can't just be the sci-fi thing. Is there's a hook, and this mental and the mental side of it, I think, is probably ideal. Yeah, I definitely think it is. Yeah, have you been? Have you have you had any? Um, PTSD uh, therapy. Well, I, I'm, I've never been diagnosed with PTSD or anything like that. That, that was trying to um, get me into do co cognitive behavioural therapy, um, yeah. but it was with groups, and I have problems um, with interacting in groups and things like that. It's, it, I have like a flashback to school and when I was being bullied at school and things like that. So. The groups is like a, a massive problem for me. And sometimes people don't understand it when I'm like, oh, but you, you can sit here behind a microphone talking to an actor or an actress without getting anxious. And I'm like, it's different though. It's one, we're one-to-one. -one. Two, I'm, I'm in the comfort of my own home and you can't see me and I can't see you. Or we're, we're just talking really. And I, I like that, but I, I wouldn't like to be in a group full of other people and you know it just makes me really anxious so they, they tried to do psychology with me um my psychology had just finished i'm trying to look into counseling now or something along those lines I'm not sure what's happening next well group therapy didn't do a lot for me and i've always found it difficult to talk in front of people about well i did i used to <laughs> i don't now so much and one of the things that I had to do was I just had to go do it. Yeah. And just it's, you know, the, the anxiety, as you know, is triggered by what your brain is telling you is going to happen. And once you do this, the, the situation that you think is going to be awful, it's never the same. It's never as bad as your brain imagines it's going to be. Yeah. I was just gonna. I was just gonna say that um, it's um, it's like when, when like like it says when your brain um, puts all these different scenarios in your head, 
and it's actually doing it that I have problem, problems with. My brain takes over and my brain makes this situation that's never going to happen 300 times worse. So it is quite hard to um, like push myself to do things. But I have to, I have to um, break that mentality because I don't want to be feeling like this forever. I do want to um, obviously fix everything or, or try to maintain it if that's the correct word to use. Well, I completely understand. My daughter is exactly the same, and her world is now getting very, very, very small. And every she, she lives in LA, and so every day I am encouraging her to do something that that gives her anxiety, because her anxiety prevents her from living a life. I mean, she's not vaccinated, and she doesn't want to be vaccinated because she believes that she has an underlying disorder, mm-hmm. uh, which will be exacerbated by the vaccine so we're very slowly working through all that it's costing an absolute effing fortune but we're slowly working through that so she'll get to a point where she realizes that she's actually not sick and it's safe for her to take the vaccine so that's what we're working towards but her brain tells her every day why she can't do it why she can't go and see the doctor why she can't you know and she's very slowly this last this last six months she's begun to take baby steps towards reaffirming her position in life and not being scared about what her brain tells her. Mm-hmm. You know, because our brains end up being the ones that dictate our lives, and that's not fair because they're not real. I understand it, but you just you have to you know, steam through it. You feel like you get nowhere? Yeah, if I'd get nowhere if, um, if I don't... Um you know, stop the, the, my brain from taking over. Yes, well, it's true, you will, you will. How old are you now? I'm 23. Yeah, well, you could, let's say, I mean, 30 is a huge dividing line. And if you haven't worked out some of your issues by 30, then, then you tend to be stuck with that. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, 33 at the outside. Um, there's a phrase for it, which is all about meteors and things, but it doesn't matter. But, uh, you know, the, 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 your brain is so powerful that it's dictating your life instead of your life dictating your brain how you should react. And so teeny tiny steps. I mean, you can't do anything about the bullying. That's, that's, in your, that's already there. Yeah. And God, I despise bullies. I really do. Yeah, but how many do you know the people? How many of them you know the names of all the people that did? Um some of some of them I don't didn't even know. Like and that's the thing, like they'd they'd um they'd stop me in the corridor and say nasty things to me and that, that like it happened on a regular basis. Like I'm not, I don't even know you, like what why are you picking on me for? Or like I wouldn't say it out loud to them now. I'd I'd just think it like why are they picking on me for what have I done? Um, but I I I I used to go to a very homophobic school, in my opinion. And um that's how it's like that yeah. bullying was homophobia. And I I wouldn't say well I'd I'd say it was in my opinion that um I thought the homo the school was homophobic and yeah, I felt like even the teachers were sometimes homophobic towards me as well. Like um I had become quite close to this teacher who not not close in terms of she broke a professionality, like things like that. No. It was more of the fact that I could speak to her and um I I was I came up to her, sorry I'm trying to get the words out, it's quite triggering for me, but I I think now it's important to talk about it. But anyway, um so I confided in this teacher um, and I came out to her and she just randomly stopped sitting, sitting by me um, and she, she almost started avoiding me as well. And we was alone and I um, put it to the side and it's like, what's going on? Like that took, took you out my, like my lessons and like I need your support for English. And she was like, yeah, the school have told me to stop um interacting with you because they feel you have a crush on me and it could be unprofessional and i was like oh you you do realize that i'm gay it's just like i know but you you told me that in confidence and obviously i'm not gonna you know 
um, spout that out because mm. I do want to break confidentiality. And I was like, yeah, I understand that. Um, and then I was in like the assistant principal's office in tears because I I tried to uh, cut my wrists in um, in a le lesson. I like literally uh, picked the scissors up and um, she she literally asked me right there and then, said, "Are you gay or not?" So, Tell me now. And I was like, and I was still afraid to say yes. I was like, uh, no, no. And she was like, well then. And then the rest of it's like a blur. And then I just remember like my mum coming in and them speaking. It. And it was like, it felt like an out of body experience no, for me. That's a hideous experience. It, 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 is, it is quite traumatic for me, to be honest. Well, you know what else might work for that is is tapping. Have you done tapping EFT? No, I've never heard of that. What's that? Oh, look it up. Because what it, what it's good for is, you know, to go back and talk about a traumatic experience like that. And then you tap certain points on your face and your head and your body. And it slowly diminishes the, the traumatic feelings. Until 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 it balances it out, and you realise that the, the 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 you know that it that it was that it stops having any heat, any power, yeah, and you don't do it anymore. Mm, so I've, I've I've thought about even um going in as far as suing the school for what that like the experiences I had, but and I was like. But it's going to take way too long to bail it out. Like, it's it's going to be hard to find witnesses to back up my case. It's going to be really difficult to do all that. And I don't think I'm mentally prepared to do to do any of that, to be honest. I was like, no, do it. What happened to the principal of the school? Um, it was the assistant principal. She left quite um, a couple of years after I did. Um, I'm not sure what she's doing now. And that teacher? Um. And I, I followed that teacher on Instagram. Um, she's living her best life. She's, she's not a teacher anymore. She was a teaching assistant um, when she was, when I, like, um, told her confidently that I'm gay and things like that. So, um, but she's got a lovely son now with another teaching assistant, but I'm not sure if he's a teaching assistant anymore. <laughs> but um, I, I um, actually wrote a message to her just saying, um, like that I had really bad experiences at school and um and I like said thank you to her for like her support and things like that. But I was quite um tipsy at the time because um, I'm also having problems with alcohol right now. Um so I just unsent the message and I don't think she ever saw it. I don't know because she never obviously messaged me back saying uh, I just saw a message but um but yeah this the, the school was more focused in um grades than people's men mental health or um how student or uniforms grades and uniforms that's if like if someone's ask you ask me what my school experience was like i'm like yeah they they asked us to work hard to pass english and maths pass science get all of our gcses and they'd always focus on uniforms your top button's not done up do your top button make sure your ties your ties this certain length and then i'd get to someone i'd, I'd get to a teacher oh i think i'm being bullied or i am being bullied yeah okay i'll just write it down that and that was it i'll speak to that person so then i'd speak to that person and it, nothing would be done about it like this the person with the said person would still do it like that that was always focused on just grades and uniform and then that that also gets my blood boiling. <laughs> no, I understand. Who was your support then when you were a kid? Um, my mainly my mom. My mom was uh, the bout of support. And she knew that you were gay. Yeah, yeah, she knows. Yeah. When did you tell her, or did she always know? She she was like, oh, I've I've always known. <laughs> good. Yeah, good. She was very supportive. I still don't know. I mean, I've never understood why people why people care. It's, yeah, it's just I don't know. It's like you shouldn't really need to come out, but you know, it's society. You know, it's called human being. It's called human being. Yeah. Nothing else. Nothing else. I'm so sorry you went through that. It's okay. It's, there's there's nothing I can it's do about okay. it now. It's not okay, sweetie. It's not okay. There's nothing I can do and, about and, it. Now. And it might be a good idea to join maybe a whole. Maybe there's a confidential group we could join. 
Well, I'm a support workers are looking to um, put me in a group um, full of LGBTQI plus people. So hopefully um, that will uh, might yeah. help me to talk about it. Well, I think it will, but you have to promise to be very brave when you go and talk about stuff. And not hide. Oh, I think I think we're going to do it like through how we do it, right through Zoom. I think um, okay. instead of being in person. I know it's easier, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know, but eventually you'll be able to do it in person with people, especially when you realise that nobody is judging you. To bring <laughs> back up the mood, because um, we we have been both been talking very seriously, <laughs> so. <laughs> What question that you want to be asked that no interviewer has asked before? Um, th this will be the final question because we've nearly been chatting for an hour and you've, I've, you're probably going to be busy later or think got another oh, interview. I'm, I'm fine, I'm fine. Don't worry about that. I, there isn't a question. I can't, even, I can't even imagine. I mean, you know, people always ask me what part do I want to play? There isn't a part I want to play. It's the part whether or not I want to play the part that people are thinking of me for. Is yeah. the story going to be right? Can I, can I create enough interest in it to, to, you know, will people learn something? Will I be able to bring something interesting to this character? Uh, that sort of stuff. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't know. What was your question? It was just um, what, what a question that you want to be asked that no interviewer was asked I before. Have, I don't have one. I don't That's have fine. one. <laughs> you know, I don't really have one. There's one more. I know there's one more at the end of all of this. Um, is the would you ever consider writing a book? I've, I've well, I've been talking. I've been like, hmm, maybe she should write a book or a memoir. Well, I, people have always asked me to write a memoir. Uh, the truth is that my I drank most of my memory away. Yeah. And my past, as I remember it, doesn't bear a lot of relation to my past, according to my friends. So, so. I don't, I don't know who to believe anymore, you know? Mm. I mean, took it, I drank, and I, that's all I wanted to do every day. And I worked when I was drunk. Mm -hmm. And I, some, I don't have a lot of memory of times that I was on stage because I, I was drunk. How I carried on acting, I don't know, but <laughs> I drank a lot. I had a lot of memories I wanted to forget, and I drank a lot. Yeah. Which were one sense it was great because I managed to get rid of them all. Um, I didn't remember them, and then sometimes you know people have been very kind in my sobriety and reminded me of things I did when I was drunk, which has literally floored me in shame. And I've had to I've had to you know drag myself out of those pits. But but um, it's 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 interesting. It's all of that is just you know my my drinking really informed a lot of my life. And I'm very glad I don't do it anymore because it, it gives me a false sense. It doesn't help anything. It doesn't help my panic, my anxiety. It doesn't help anything. No. It just makes us really. Is, is um, there any um, current TV shows that you're watching at the moment that you'd like to recommend to the audience? Well, I love I love all of the, the psychological thrillers, but my favourite, the one that I've loved recently, most of all, is on Netflix, and it's called Made, as right. in M-A-I-D. Ah. Some of two of the episodes are directed by my best friend, but I, that's not—I didn't realize that until I was watching it. But it—it it just held me the whole time. I haven't, I haven't heard of that show. Um, what 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 genre is it? It's a, the story of a young woman who leaves her abusive relationship and then has to survive with a child and uh, just herself, and she takes on up cleaning herself. Oh. And it's the hardship. It's based on a true story, a woman who did exactly that and how hard it is to, to get going if you're a maid. I need something to watch. Um, well, I'm, I'm currently re-watching Star Trek Voyager, actually. That's that's what made me go, oh, you know what? I should get in touch with Caroline, Caroline Seymour. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. Um, so um, I'll definitely watch that, that show. Please do it, because I think you'll enjoy it. I think you'll enjoy it. I loved it. And I don't know what else. I mean, I'm watching some rather bad thrillers on, on regular TV right now. But mm -hmm. That's the one I would say go for right now. And the other ones I love, there's a show on Netflix called Criminal, 
and their interviews by the police and all over the all over the world. I mean, all over Europe. And there's the British one, there's German, there's Spanish, there's French, and they're all interviewing people, just one person being interviewed by several police. Fascinating. Do you like horror? I don't like horror. You don't? No. Um, any particular reason why or another I just don't like it because I'm never scared. Yeah. It also it's also contrived. I never get scared. I think psychological thrillers are so much more frightening. I it, 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 you know, there's a there's a, a show called Guilt, which is on at the moment. It's just finished. But there's a character in there who is so terrifying and he does nothing except he's just still. But you know that he's capable of ripping you limb from limb, and you're just waiting for him to do that. Oh wow, that sounds very intense. <laughs> it's very, very intense. But it was, it was fabulous. It was a good little show, actually. And then I love Shetland, which is another, you know, detective story. But I can't understand a word they're saying half the time because they're so Scottish. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's about it, really. Very That's nice. About it, really. <laughs> um, I'm. If anyone's interested in what I'm watching, I said I was rewatching Star Trek Voyager, but I'm also watching The Good Doctor right now as well. Uh, the Good Doctor's really good. Yes. No. I, yes, it's quite good. She's quite good. So that's um, pretty much all I've got for the questions. If anyone wants to interact with you on social media or anything like that, where can they find you? If you have got social media. I have, the, I do have a Twitter account, and I also have a, a website called The Carolyn Seymour. Yeah. All those will be in the description as well if anyone wants to, you know, talk okay. to Carolyn beyond, beyond the podcast. Yeah. It's been an absolute pleasure Thank talking you. to you today. Oh, it has to you too, darling. Thank you. And uh, if you're uh, if you're wondering about an animal rescue rescue little little pot somewhere, just chuck in a fiver for me. Of course. Thank you so much to everyone who's listened. Um, I'm going to also put some um, information to websites for suicide prevention and things like that in the description as well. We have yes, been please. talking about um, a lot of triggering and things today. Um, yeah. NAA. Yes, and IAT. Yes, uh, all the support sites. Once again, thank you so much, Karen, and everyone else for listening. You're very, very, very welcome. And thank you all for listening to me. I am joined with the fabulous Sarah Coates, you may know as Marguerite Baker from Resident Evil 7 Biohazard and Louisa from Resident Evil Village and other stuff as well. And she's a massive RuPaul's Drag Race fan and she's, she's been in the show as well. How did you like get into like RuPaul's Drag Race? Is there any like, particular reason or did someone introduce you? Like how did you get into it? I started watching, so Jinx Monsoon, Jared Hoffer, I believe season four was we had done a play together in Seattle. So he left the play to go do RuPaul's Drag Race mm -hmm. and they had to recast him. And so we had met there and then, um, and so I was like, of course, I'm gonna watch, I'm gonna support my friend on the show. I'm joined here by the voice of uh, Evelyn from Resident Evil 7, Biohazard and Angie the Doll from Resident Evil Village. So um, how do you relate to Angie and even, or even Evelyn? How do I relate to them? Yeah. Hmm. Well, I find it best to, I mean, you have to bring so much of yourself to any character, especially a villain, um, only because nobody's actually a villain in their own story, right? We all think we're the hero uh, regardless. So, and that that's true of all humans, I suppose. Hello, Michelle Lukes. Thank you so much for joining me again. Welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me again. Um, <laughs> I'm glad I'm still invited back after the last time. Oh, you're always welcome <laughs> back you. regardless. How is it like holding in, like not, like not being able to, you know, shout out to the world that you're on Resident Evil? Some 
ways you just get so used to not talking about it. But in other ways, it's like you're always worried you're going to fuck up because it's it has to be it has to be strictly enforced. And so you get to a point where you're like almost scared to say anything at all because you don't want to get into trouble. So if you could go back in time, what era would you go back to? Or if you want to go forward as well? I would go back. I would definitely go back um, probably like the 1920s. I've always, uh, there's something about like. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Spartan 117. I need a weapon. And I need you to join me on the Mentally Obsessed podcast at 5 p.m. GMT, the 30th of November, on all the usual podcast platforms. And together, we will finish 